Welcome to Immersed in Theology. This is the podcast where graduate students talk theology, church, and life. Please enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Immersed in Theology podcast. My name is Nate Harrison, and I'm here with Zach and Ben. Guys, how's it going today? It's going good. Excited to talk. Yeah, same here. Could be a great conversation this morning. Talking about spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson. Have you guys heard of this book before? I feel like I've heard of it through Freedom Session. Okay. But In the footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> but I I didn't know who he was or anything about it. Okay. Cool. Ben, how about you? Yeah, I'd be in the same boat. Um, not familiar with his book at all, but familiar with the content of the book through Freedom through freedom session and the name was familiar right yeah. cool um so first off just what did we think of the book thoughts uh helpful not helpful i mean obviously we've kind of seen a bit of it in freedom session or at least you guys have because i haven't done freedom session yet clearly obviously anyone knows me yeah clearly right? yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah so thoughts on the book what do you guys think just overall i just want to play this first Harvest House Publishers presents oh the best-selling oh resource gosh. on finding spiritual freedom, The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson. You're trapped. You don't know how you ended up in such a mess. Quality promo Locked right there. Habits you can't seem to break or caught in sin. You're a Christian, and this sort of thing doesn't happen to Christians, or so you've been told. And we all have these strongholds, which are our flesh patterns. They're defense mechanisms. Depending on what school you go to, they're going to call them different things. But they're left over from the past. How do we tear them down? How do we win this battle for a mind? But here's the problem. You're not just up against that world out there. You're not just battling the flesh. You're up against the world, the flesh, and the devil. You are not alone. All right. <laughs> I feel like that's a good promo. That's kind of a basic of the summary of the book. Yeah, that's I was saying before <laughs> off that, mic that things from the 90s kind of frustrate me and make me not want to read them. But Advertising from the 90s is what frustrates, yeah, frustrates you. True. But by Other so, than that, other I, than that weird video that you managed to find on YouTube. I watched that before I read the book, and I was like, I don't want to read this book. <laughs> and by the end of the book, I was like, this is a good book. I, I like it. I agree. Like, I think what anderson is saying is really helpful um and it's something that a lot of christians don't know or don't really engage in or they kind of shy away from it right but he did a good job of talking about spiritual worship warfare talking about the aspects of it and talking about the necessity for every christian to engage in it and yeah. realize the truth of it at some level yeah so i thought it was a really good book yeah for sure ben? yeah um similar thoughts like uh, I actually got the new and revised version, so Ooh. I didn't have to go through all the 90s oh, stuff. so fancy. Yeah. Um, so it's something for me that's a really new concept. Like before uh, taking Freedom Session, I would have been completely unfamiliar with any of this. Mm. Um, so it was more familiar, but still very uh, recent, something that I'm still kind of processing and trying to understand spiritual warfare what that actually looked like uh for christians i was brought up in a lot more um conservative church upbringing where it wasn't that spiritual warfare wasn't taught it was just never really talked like it wasn't that people didn't believe in it it was just never really talked about right um so yeah 
the whole idea idea of deliverance ministry and that kind of thing is all very new hmm. new for me yeah and i'd agree like uh before reading this book so um i actually read it a few months ago um using it in some sermons and things that i was working on um uh, but yeah reading it i was like oh man like i know very little about this topic yeah. Um, it was just kind of eye-opening to be like, yeah, okay, cool. This is something we don't talk about very often. Um, and that's why I appreciate it in the way that he writes the book. He just kind of normalizes everything. Um, even like Zach, you were saying before we started, like um, the whole idea of like manifestations, which we'll probably get into at some point. It's like he just talks about them a bunch and then it sort of just becomes normal. Right. It's just kind of like, yeah, this is sort of just what happens and it's whatever. And it's like, oh, that's a different way. Okay, cool. Like, because mm -hmm. you always hear of that kind of stuff and it's like, oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. But he's like, no, this is just spiritual warfare. It's not a big deal. Um, so that part was kind of cool. And yeah, I felt he was just really helpful. Um, he addressed a lot of the questions that often come up for this too, um, that a lot of Christians tend to have or misconceptions or things. So overall, I found it uh, super helpful. Yeah. Um, our experiences with this kind of stuff i mean like we're saying we're all kind of unfamiliar with it but um just kind of curious like where we're all coming from as far as a background of actually experiencing this aspect of christian life or just life in general so spiritual warfare things like that um demons and craziness right well ben you said you're saying you weren't didn't have that much of a upbringing towards it yeah and any experiences yeah so me personally i haven't had um i wouldn't say i've had any i haven't had any significant uh spiritual warfare type experiences uh but probably around five years ago i met someone who uh is a really good friend of mine uh met him through connexus church and um we were in small group together and, you know, it's his story to share, so I won't share all the details, but he had a very, very real um, experience with, like, uh, a, a demon in his home. And um, if I didn't know him and he had just told me that story, I would have just said, ah, he's crazy. But because I knew him and it was, you know, I saw that he was a really, a really great guy. It was like I was forced to be like, wow, like, he actually there must be something here um and then since then uh my wife has worked in uh my wife's an occupational therapist and she has worked in rehab homes and stuff like that um and she's experienced and seen a lot of different things with people who would be nonverbal or, or things like that one example that comes to mind is she had a, a client that uh was nonverbal and uh would go through fits where he would just hit himself um, mm -hmm. and then we're never really sure what brought it on, but he would just start hitting himself and like to the point where he would, you know, have his eyes would be swollen and just black and blue. And the only thing that would stop him from hitting himself was she would sit there and sing Jesus loves me to him. And then he would stop <laughs> wow. and he would just start singing like, you know, as much as he could, cause he couldn't, he wasn't really verbal. He would try to sing along as much as he could and then it would stop. So there's been, and then she's had <laughs> other experiences where it's like, uh, she's working with someone and things are going well. And then it's just like their eyes change, their whole demeanor changes. And then she just would leave and they had a quarantine room. So it was like a safe room. Yeah. She would close herself in there. The guy would freak out, throw stuff, trash the whole place. And she'd open the door and he'd be fine again. Holy smokes. So like I, a lot of those are considered mental illnesses now. Yeah. But having ex seen that 
and then having experienced what my here the story that my uh, friend had told me you just start to look at things in a different light so yeah I guess that would be kind of where I'm at now in all this right what yeah. about you Zach you said um, you had some stories yeah <laughs> I won't go into it all this this much but um I'm definitely um was in a group a community um different than the church community but a bunch of young people like young adults and uh we definitely had some spiritual things come up like okay this is a little weird this is maybe eerie you'd had described some conversations i had some conversations with some people um and then this whole season took place over months and maybe even years but then um witnessed some manifestations hmm. some intense you know spiritual warfare which honestly like i couldn't explain every single aspect to you like i couldn't logicize it to you and some of it was definitely um uh how do i say this like theatricized and that's right. through okay caught up in the moment being yeah. scared um you know the mob mentality it's like okay wait why are we why is this here why'd you grab that thing and using it and if <laughs> you show me a video after i'd be like yeah i don't think we needed to do that <laughs> but i i'm not like i guess i'm not ashamed of it or i'm not like i think it's good to say because this is um how it's perceived sometimes right and a, a good mind shift is like even um, what Neil Anderson says is like fighting the demon. You're not fighting the demon. You're, right. You're interacting with the person. Mm. And this is kind of that Emily Rose exorcism. Like we are fighting this demon. Like it's the demon's going to jump up on the wall and right. we got to like throw oil at it and like, <laughs> like kid it with our, like our Bible, yeah. our sword of like truth. And we got to stab that thing and kill that thing, which is like, yeah, I'm saying that as like real as a physical kind sense. of examples. <laughs> yeah, so hmm. definitely experienced that. It's like, was all that made up in our heads? Like, no, not at all. Um, spiritual world is real. Um, so, yeah, I've I've been I would say I've been to both spectrums and back. And during that time, I read a lot of books. I was gonna, it's right there. And one of the books is called um, Jesus Taught Me How to Cast Out Demons. <laughs> And it's, again, this, like, 80s book, which I would say that one a little bit romanticizes almost mm. casting out demons. Right, like, like, everyone should do this. It'll be fun. Well, even, like, like that, this or... battle. Like oh, this, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, this person, okay, they're they're manifesting. Like, I remember. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he's at church, and he's, he, you know, someone stands up and, like, kind of, like, manifesting almost attacks the pastor and he stands up he gives this example he's like like i bind you in the name of jesus and the person like gets and he's like okay go get the bible go get this we're gonna be here all night and <laughs> like that's a story that he tells yeah i don't know who it's by someone what whoever it doesn't matter um but that's like this which when i hear stuff like that i'm like uh i don't I don't think it needs to be like that. Right. And I and we spent a lot of time after this experience because we want to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I read lots of books. Um, Robert Robert Kraft is someone who, who writes all about deliverance ministries and um, I don't think Kraft something. 
Um, and it's it's right there. It's I give you authority, which is a good book. Yeah. But it talks about all about deliverance ministry and what that can look like. And obviously, manifestation comes up a lot. But yeah. I don't think this is something that we need to fear or play into. Right. And and that's why I get a little bit hesitant when uh, a large manifestation comes up. You yeah. know. I'm like, okay, what's really going on here? And I don't know. That's yeah. just at the end of the day. It's like, I don't have it figured out. But yeah. my my snout goes out when I hear those <laughs> stories. Yeah, it sniffers yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. So totally. I really appreciated what, how uh, Neil Anderson in his book, like how he would handle those kind of interactions. And it was like, if he, <clears throat> if this, if I hadn't read this as my first book, uh, kind of exposing me to this whole idea, and it was more like what you're describing, I probably would have just gone, nah, this is crap. Like, I'm I'm tuning this out. Um, but because he, like, his whole approach was, like, to attack them with truth and not with, like, oil or, you know, whatever, right. um, it just, that seemed to make a lot of sense. And I thought it was, yeah, it makes it, it makes it less weird. Right. Mm-hmm. Just while we're yeah. talking about that, like my whole mindset and and what I like Neil Anderson applies that he talks about this mindset about the space in between, about having um, you have the kind of spiritual world and the intellectual world. And it's like, is this a demon or is this mental illness? Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is a false dichotomy. Hmm. Right. And uh, and I like that. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever like figure it out. And I think because of our culture, my mind, like I, I try to create what that worldview looks like in my head. And I think it's almost impossible to get there. Yeah. Cause you're like, how does that look? Like you have a mental illness. Like, is it the mental illness? It's, it's both. It's yeah. Yeah. neither. Like, yeah. I don't know how you get there. Yeah. Years of studying and just what well, meditation, but, well, and I think like that was the interesting thing that he says, uh, and this plays into a bunch of the different discussions, but of like, where is this coming from? Um, and the way that he looks at it, he has a quote, I don't remember what exactly it is, but basically like the way we usually treat uh, mental illness or illnesses of any kind within Christian circles, especially, is that we try everything else and we try pills and we try counseling and we try all this different stuff. Okay. He said, we go through everything that's like material related. And then at the end of it, we go, oh, maybe we should pray about it. Right. And he's right. like, why is that always the last right. thing we come to? Yeah. He's like, start with praying about it. And then if it doesn't work, then do some other things as well. But it's like, you may as well begin there yeah. as you do other things too or something, right? But he's like, we always kind of view it as the last resort of right. like, well, I guess it's not psychological or I guess it's not physical or biological. So maybe it's spiritual. Maybe we should pray about it. Right. Yeah. And then you like do this quick little prayer but yeah. it's like no take it seriously like well yeah go ahead i was just gonna say like on that uh so like in in the book neil anderson discusses this uh there's three people he's met who have been diagnosed with ms and then um he believed it to be a demon and then cast it out and uh they no longer had the symptoms with ms anymore which is nuts yeah which is just crazy but i think a lot of the time we can trick ourselves into thinking that like why can't a if there is demon possession why can't it still be completely chemical 
Like, why wouldn't it look that way? Right. It's like, you're not, yes. it's not like it's going to have a scientific explanation, mm-hmm. yeah. but the reason why it started yeah. that we know. And for most diseases, we never know. Yeah. You know, no one knows how cancer starts. We know that it's it like we, there's a lot of theories, but it's like, no one knows. Oh, well, how did it actually happen? There's it's very gray. So I feel like the gray of demon possession isn't the actual symptoms. It's actually what starts those symptoms and what brings them on. Yes. And I think, but the, the difference being is like, I think something can start because of something evil or something tainted or whatever, but I think where it becomes demon possession or oppression or whatever, which we'll get into a second is that like, it doesn't go away when you try the physical, like when you try to throw pills at it or you try to throw something at it. And it's like, that's not changing anything. Whereas like with the MS thing, it's like, okay, so he does something spiritual related to it and MS goes away. Yeah. But it's like nothing else makes that go away. Yeah. Um, that's the like the lingering aspect mm-hmm. of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's also something about, well, the question that I, I wrote down is like, could, I, I think God, he, you know, he's created us. He's put truth in the world. He's written the law on our hearts. Mm-hmm. So people who don't know him, who don't profess a salvation, a sal- saving faith in Jesus can experience joys from God and can experience yeah. healing. Right. 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 So I just think about there's truth in the world, mm-hmm. right? Where there's disease, there's cancer. People can experience healing and like i would just maybe throw in if someone does if pills do save someone who someone who doesn't know jesus yeah maybe there's a spiritual aspect to that oh totally mm-hmm. yeah right? there's definitely still can be so sure. you know because the a, a demon can take hold of your life which we'll talk about with when you have crap in your life yeah when you have sin in your life that's a physical thing yeah, right? yeah. you can explain that it's like why are you depressed? Because you do this, you do this, you do this. Those are habitual sins, what yeah. we would say, or bad things to do, what's like secular world would say, and that causes something. That's just truth. If you do this every day, if you get drunk every day, you're going to get addicted, right. and then a demon of addiction is going to just be like, this is perfect. Like, <laughs> this is exactly what I want. Yeah, yeah, just moves so right there's in. So much. That's, that's yeah. the thing that I am trying to think and that's what i'm i will continue to think about and and just where i'm coming from is i think there's such a cross contamination between it all and i always my my lean my bent and this will help us the listener or as we talk through like where i'm coming from is i want to use less spiritual language because i think spiritual language like oh, you're possessed by a demon, you have this, it has so much connotation to it. Right. And yeah. it, it kind of loads like, oh, you're, you're manifesting, you're this, you're this. That, it almost, when we use a spiritual language, like, let me just pray for you, it almost ignore. it's like God supersedes all the laws of life that he's put into place. And I think that's not a proper view of God or the world. To just, he can, for sure, and we should pray that, but to be like what you're saying, 
let's do this, 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 and then pray. And maybe it's like something we can't solve and then we'll pray. Yeah. But understanding that's like, let's pray and go you to a hospital. Like, let's pray first. Yeah. But then take you to a hospital. Well, yeah, because you hear things where it's like someone was going in for surgery the next day and everyone the night before prayed over the person that was going into surgery. They still went to surgery. Yeah. Started surgery. And then whatever they went in to remove or whatever wasn't there anymore. And it's like, yeah, because God did something right, supernaturally, but they right, still like, followed through on what they could do on their, yeah. like themselves. Yeah. And I think that's the, this, um, the partnership of the Christian life totally. in a lot of ways where it's like, we're working with God on stuff. And yes, we want, like, we're being involved in what he's doing and uh, bringing him in and asking yeah. him to be like inviting him into everything. Yeah. But we can still do some stuff. That's a whole discipleship thing. But anyway, right. totally. We can do lots of stuff. Yeah. What about you, Nate? What was your yeah. upbringing before? Yeah. So I never, I've never really experienced much of this kind of stuff. I started getting exposed to it a number of years ago when I started Bible college and started hearing stories of it uh, from professors and stuff. And I'm naturally quite skeptical. Yeah. And so hearing these stories, it's always kind of like, yeah, like I know that's what you think happened. Right. And so it's been a bit of a thing of like learning like, oh, no, this is actually quite real and I should take this more seriously. And and that's what I've come to learn a lot over the last few years. I remember one story that one of my professors told me um, and I was like, wow, this is like pretty crazy. Uh, I think he was on a a university campus or something. um, And uh, there was one professor who everyone just kind of knew this guy, like older guy, as someone who's very holy, like this guy walks into a room and like you feel the presence of God walking in with him. Like just one of those kind of guys. Um, he says really interesting. Um, and then one day in the chapel, some guy comes in and basically starts like manifesting a demon. Like it starts going crazy. The guy starts like getting super irate, screaming, swearing, going nuts. And a few of them in the chapel, um, these other professors and stuff like tackle the guy to the ground to hold him down which is crazy. And so he's lying face down in this chapel room uh, with his head on the ground away, facing away from the door. Uh, and then this guy, the holy guy, whatever you want to call him, um, walks by the, the doorway and kind of like pokes his head in. And the guy on the ground goes, oh no, he's here. And like not in his own kind of right. frame of mind. Right. And it's like, and so this guy comes in and, proceeds to kind of help with the situation but this fascinating thing where it's like this demon knew this guy right like was aware of who he was um because of who he was and kind of the reputation that he had which is interesting because you see that in scripture it's like with paul right yeah where it's like oh we know paul or we knew jesus and the stuff but it's like but who are you right Right. but it's like there is this idea that there's this reputation you can get within a spiritual realm yeah which is so weird but just hearing stories like that in Bible college um, and just being like, okay, maybe yeah. this is a thing. And then coming out of that and having a lot more discussions with people and talking to people that do counseling and deliverance ministries. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is very real. So like a year ago, I guess when, around when you would have started Immerse, yeah. a year and a half ago, yeah, what would your perspective have been on deliverance ministry and demon possession and stuff like that i probably wouldn't have had much of a perspective okay other than 
maybe that's a thing for some churches to do. Okay. Kind of that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, maybe some churches can or should do that, but it's like, I don't really know. And is it really that important? Yeah. Now I'm like, no, this seems pretty important. Like whatever it ends up looking like, whatever iteration of a deliverance ministry or healing ministry, like freedom session or whatever that you end up doing. Right. But I wouldn't have had much to say about that before, but yeah. So that was pretty much the extent of my experiences with it. But yeah, I don't know. Just haven't been one of those people that it's all that crazy stuff happens around. Yeah. Not yet. We'll see. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's not crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is you like you have experienced it mm. because you've true like you you've been in a community group i don't know what you interpreted that statement as yeah i think i know where you're going with that <laughs> you're true yeah well here's what i meant um <laughs> yeah, i know what you mean like, fine you know, you can stop this okay no, no, no. um like you've been someone who has felt the call to pastoral ministry you've been so intentional about walking with people you've helped people beat right you've, you've prayed with people and like there was a demons present during all of that right like yeah, yeah. they were 100 percent there and it's like and because someone confessed sin and said you know what I, I, nate can you just help me and like you prayed like you've discipled people and prayed with them yeah and it's true. like there's tons like that's the right. thing we don't realize it's normal happening right? yeah this guy who runs into this building it's like think about his life yeah what got him to that point a lot of stuff true he didn't just like wasn't walking and then and then turned the corner and ran in that building like and he had people in his life who were praying for him and working with him so yeah true we're all experiencing that all the time yeah but i think and you pointing that out and the way that i was just talking about it speaks to the fact of the way most of us think of spiritual warfare though because it's like we do do still think that it's only when the extraordinary things happen that we're engaging in spiritual warfare right but it's like no it's actually just and this is neil anderson's thing it's like it's just the life of a christian right yeah everything we're doing is involved in spiritual warfare all the time exactly like what you're saying but yeah it's that easy thing where we fall into just well that's spiritual but this isn't right i mean it's which is funny it's so cliche to say it but i think of the lucy uh C.S. Lewis um like you've never never met a mortal man yes everyone's immortal like you've never done a non-spiritual act yes and Mm -hmm. everything is spiritual it's like you're either towards god or apart from god yeah and yeah everything is for his glory or not yeah and that's and and i think if even if you're not a christian you do things that glorify God all the time. Hmm. I mean, that's a longer conversation, but yeah, that's more into like image of God kind of stuff. Right. But you do something nice and you help someone like, why do non-Christian do nice things and donate millions of dollars? Yeah. Because it's written on their heart to just, we want to work together and help each other as a family. That's what we earn for. That's a spiritual act right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's this uh, there's an interesting book that reminds me of called I think it's called the Liturgy of the Ordinary or Liturgy of the Ordinary, mm-hmm. and it's that whole idea right. of like everything you do, there's no divide between spiritual and not spiritual, and sacred and not sacred. It's like yeah. your life is sacred, and all the things that you do. Yeah. It's cool. Um, okay, any other thoughts on <laughs> where we're kind of going with that? 
one of the, the big questions that comes out of this and comes out of this book, Neil Anderson addresses a lot, um, is basically this question of like, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Um, is it oppression? Is it possession? What it like? What do we think on, on that one? I mean, obviously Anderson has a certain take on this, but he doesn't have the only take on this. So, no. should we start with us, or should we deep dive deep in the book? Let's maybe start with like, what would you have said coming into this book sure. before you read it? What yeah. would your answer have been? And then we'll see if how and many of us changed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what our backgrounds were. I think were. he gives a lot of great, yeah, examples on both sides to that. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. What about you, man? Mm, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I would say before reading the book, I would have been. It's hard for me to say because honestly, I don't think I would have thought about it. Right. It wouldn't have even been a question for me. Like, oh, can a Christian be demon possessed? It would just. I. I I've never even asked the question. Right. Now thinking about it, uh, now it would be like. I would say there would be a limit to which if someone believes in Christ and your, uh, you know, the Holy spirit exists in you, there's going to be a limit to which, uh, a demon can affect you. Okay. I, I would say like before reading the book and yeah, yeah. still, I would still say probably something similar. Um, so I would say like really, really extreme. And then like the whole idea of, well, demon oppression, it's like, I think that Christians can still be affected by it. Okay um yeah but like when you think of um like movies and stuff to do with like exorcisms and demon possession and stuff like that it's like do you equate that with like that could happen to a christian like or would you have uh, i probably wouldn't have okay yeah i probably would have said no that probably can't happen to a, a christian in that kind of extreme right uh that extreme scenario okay yeah yeah zach, zach? <laughs> i'm looking up a verse Oh, I will. It's not um, in your head already. I know. You I've kidding me? The whole Bible. Are you even in immerse? Um, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I knew exactly where it was in my Bible. Um, <laughs> on your app, <laughs> point out that he wasn't flipping through a Bible. How does affect later? Um, I don't know when I gained different perspectives, but. I think one thing I heard early on or a perspective that people had, it's there's a difference between um, oppression and possession. possession. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I can Depression. Think yeah, depression. <laughs> S- Could be related. Submission. Yeah. I you submitted to a demon. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the oppression, uh, possession would be where a demon would take over and control you. And I think even thinking about that way, it's like, it becomes scary. And that's why I think yeah, a, a lot of faults start from that moment, that line of thinking, which is a demonic way of thinking, I would claim. So Jesus says, <laughs> always start all good arguments with that. <laughs> well, Jesus says, or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. So w- this line of thinking has has started, or this verse has started this line of thinking of, let's say your body, your soul is a house. You You have something in that house. It's either Jesus or it's empty. If Jesus is in the house, then a demon cannot come into the house. 
right that's a common way of thinking um although there there definitely could be a demon outside throwing rocks at your house and yeah and kicking at the door yeah which can be pretty scary mm-hmm. so that's a view that i probably held for a long time mm. um but i think that way of thinking is is not accurate as to as as neil anderson um gives some really great points so yeah um but I, that i that view would have changed before i read this book i i've seen things and and really digged in deep and um yeah i think um yeah i i don't know like because i just think like could i be possessed by a demon right because that's really like if someone else it's like i don't know if we had to vote right now ben and i would both put our hands up (laughs) (laughs) put on that voice effect yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so because like there's always a question if someone if you see someone else who's possessed it's like maybe they weren't a christian maybe they weren't yeah, saved yeah. maybe they did that because you have to go there then right if that's and, your theology and i can I, I don't know if we can fully ever answer that but it's like yeah. could i it's like and i mean <laughs> i would say no i can't i hope not I'm yeah pretty strong i don't know <laughs> because I, I love jesus yeah i think uh the reason why like I, uh, like thinking to freedom session yeah and how um through that program and through ken he kind of uh made me think about something i'd never thought about before where it's like there's areas of your life that you can withhold from god so that he's not currently saving you from it yes yeah not that he hasn't saved you holistically or exactly. anything like that mm-hmm. but there's areas of your life that you're not handing over to god and his love and grace can't fill that area because you're holding on to it totally right so then that I think that's what has made it's hard for me to know before reading this book kind of where my head was at because that those ideas been rolling around it's like yeah okay that's possible and then when you consider it in that context then a christian being demon possessed it could only be in an area of their life that they haven't already surrendered to god a room in their house that jesus currently isn't living in sure and it's very you know whenever we say because i completely agree with you whenever we start to talk about metaphors they obviously break down they're not perfect but i know i've talked to people who work for a church and when you start to dig into certain areas of someone's life like tell me about this sin or you know like let's talk about this turning this part of your life over to god it could be it doesn't have to be like it is sin it's always sin but it doesn't have to be you know porn or sex or alcoholism it could be something more control or yeah something secret. seemingly more benign yeah like just a mindset of some sort yeah because i've talked to someone on church staff it's like when we dig into that exactly what you're saying when we dig in that okay profess the name of jesus i can't hmm. okay now when someone says something like that you know for me i think most christians would be like okay so we're entering the spiritual world when yeah there starts to be other things right. so exactly what you're saying when we dig deep in this part of your life or when we because i can think of errors it's like okay just confess all the sin right now in your life it's like oh i don't want to do that yeah okay now we're walking down this path, all of right? it <laughs> yeah. of well what does jesus being lord of your life actually look like yeah and so totally all that being said i think it's can if you're saying can christians be physically affected by demonic spirits 
I would say yes. Right. Yeah. And that, that would have been my view before reading this book. Right. Um, because I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, like for myself, I probably would have been into that camp and, and not, not out of experience, but out of theology. Um, there's like a whole strain of theology that would say that if you're indwelt by the spirit, you can't be indwelt by an unholy spirit. Right. Um, and so then it's like, well, technically, like you won't ever be affected by a demon then if yeah. if you're really a Christian. And I think I probably would have just I, I know I've given that answer a lot and said that to people where it's like, yeah, if you're a Christian, you, you can't because, you know, you have the Holy Spirit. And it's like, OK, but then what about the stuff that you do experience and yeah. stuff like that? And then reading his book, reading Anderson's book, it's like he makes so many good arguments for the reverse, for the opposite um and like and one of them there's a bunch but one of them is like basically he says uh why would we be instructed to put on the armor of god mm. if satan can't actually do anything what do we need to fight against if like we're, there's nothing that can do anything to us and it's like oh yep that's a great point like why would we be instructed to put on the whole armor of god and keep it on right for the whole of our lives so like that was one of the things that started to sway me the other way. So obviously like I've come to this other place after reading the book um, where it's like, yes, you can be um, oppressed by a demon, but not possessed by a demon. Um, and I'm assuming that's kind of where we all ended up. Like we all en yeah. ended up in agreement with Anderson. Yeah. I yeah. Say so. yeah. Was there anything like for you that he said that swayed you? that made you go ah like that was the aha moment of like yep this makes way more sense or is it just collective i think for me it was it was kind of the perfect timing for this book because like i was saying with freedom session and ken talking on on you know not handing over control of your certain parts of your life that's something that it's like yeah that makes sense because that's actually what i experienced yeah um and then it would make sense that yeah demon could then set up shop there so mm -hmm. it, it was kind of like the perfect, you know, if I was to compare myself to five years ago, yeah, it would have been, I would have had to be completely convinced by the arguments in his book. Yeah. But I feel like because I've been gradually like those opinions have been broken down, it was just like the perfect timing of like, oh yeah, that actually makes complete sense. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Zach, yeah. how about you? Like, or is it just more like everything he said? You're like, yeah, all right, I get it. I'm in. Um. I mean, you weren't far from this coming into the book anyway. Yeah. Sorry, what are we agreeing our stances? That you can't be possessed, but you can be oppressed, which is what you were kind of saying that you came into it with. I don't know. I might go farther than that. What do you mean? Like, because even what you're saying, like, I might take that. Like, do you agree with that, Ben? Like, well, I think you go farther which way? Like, can a Christian be possessed? Maybe. I think I oh, think okay. a po I would say a, a pocket of a person of a of a an unsurrendered area of a Christian's life could be possessed by a demon. Can you see manifestation in a Christian? Yes. You're saying yes. I think you could. Yeah, that's what that's what I would be because I think that right. he gives examples of that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've I've heard I know someone who is a Christian who has had that happen, and so I would say yes. Right. 
it is possible but it would be only in that demon could only exist in an area of their life that wasn't already surrendered and that's the point of this book is listen you're holding on to bitterness from 20 years ago yeah yeah when and you're a christian you're serving the area Mm -hmm. you're doing like you your pastor whatever yeah holy but then when we dig deep and we go on this and when we deal with that we're gonna bring that out You've been holding on that for 20 years. There's a spiritual stronghold that's been formed there. So when we go to deal with that, there's going to be some opposition yeah, yeah, for right. that. Yep. And Makes sense. that opposition is going to reveal itself in physical ways. And when I say physical ways, you know, that's why I think there needs to be a little bit of mindset. Is, am I going to, my eyes going to roll back? I'm going to be like, I'm not giving up this bitterness. No. Q deep voice. Right. Yeah, Q deep voice. Um, <laughs> but it says, I, I don't want to. Something that just makes me, uh, well, mm. what's that physical thing? Yeah. Well, that's you holding on to something, saying this thing that's not from God, that I don't, that God is asking me to not have part of my life, this thing that's not glorifying him. I'm going to say, I'll just hold on to this. That's, that's yeah. a response. And like we said before, there's a spiritual aspect to that response. And who's that spiritual aspect for? This demonic Satan. It's, it's oh, yes, God wants this. Satan wants this. You pick. Right. Right. Yeah. And every, hmm. and every decision, no decisions, black or white, too. Yeah. So that's why we have to start to give more grace and understanding and working and slow moving when we talk about these things. Yeah. So... Yeah. That being said, it's like, yeah, <laughs> that I think there would be a physical, demonic response. Yeah. In, in a Christian's life. Right. Yeah. That could be. Yeah, for sure. What but do you, I, what do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think honestly, like I'm still working it through a little bit. And me too. Like this yeah. is like that's why this dialogue is kind of cool because it's like we're all kind of figuring this out and going, yeah, where do we really stand? And I think the more experience we have in ministry, the more this theology will change. Um, And I think that's why it's easy for a lot of people to go one way when they've never experienced anything. You just kind of discount all of it. And you go, since I've never experienced this, my theology is going to be like this Hmm. instead of leaving room for that. Um, Anyways, which is where I probably would have, would have been versus now. But as we're talking about this idea, like, okay, you can be at least oppressed maybe possessed like you're saying zach like but what does that really mean i think the the thing that anderson is careful to clarify is um the difference between oppression and possession like when you think of you're possessed by a demon meaning like you're owned by one like it owns you yeah uh and he clarifies that 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 can't happen to a christian right like you as a person cannot be owned by a demonic force or whatever. So he has this quote. He says, ownership is never at stake. Uh, we belong to God and Satan can't touch who we are in Christ. Uh, but then he says, we may be demon oppressed, but we are always Holy Spirit possessed, which I think is a helpful clarification right. for Christians to realize like you can't be removed from like the spirits, like Holy Spirit's possession. Right. You are, once you are a Christian, you are, possessed by the spirit indwelt by the spirit things like that but then there's this oppression aspect where it's like there's areas of your life still 
where like you know ben saying like you haven't let god into those areas to actually do something with it which is what freedom session is for it's airing out all your dirty laundry and shining a light on all the things that you've never let god into so that he can actually heal those areas yeah so i think that's important to realize um but yeah it's like what does that really look like i think another important distinction with like the difference between how a demon could uh, impact a Christian versus a non-Christian yeah. is like, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, Tim, Neil Anderson, sorry, he says that he uses this example of um, a Christian would be like if a dog runs out. Oh, I love you, that one. Like a little yappy dog and it's yes. barking at you and you run away and you jump up into the bed of uh, a pickup truck or whatever to get away from the dog and the dog's just barking at you and you're standing there kind of petrified and afraid, right? And the only thing that's holding you in that truck is you and yeah. your fear of that dog. But the dog actually has no power over you. You're 10 times the size of the dog. And all you have to do is jump down and kind of yell at it. And the dog goes away. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you initially, when the dog ran at you, if you just stood your ground and was like, no, like go away. When the you understood the had... dog couldn't do anything to you. Right. If you had just stood there and just, you know, stood up for yourself initially, then yeah. there would have been no appearance of maybe appearance of oppression in your life because you would have never ran to a place where that could even happen right yes yeah i think i love the point that he makes with that story i think he tells it from his perspective like it was his own story yeah but the idea that um that little dog who even though he was a kid at the time that little dog all of a sudden had all of this power over him Mm -hmm. and the fascinating thing is like that dog out of creation of fear utilized all of his muscles and his physical faculties which then he pulls into the demonic realm of like like demons can't actually do anything to you but if they can make you fearful yeah they can utilize your own body essentially your own muscles your own thoughts your own brain to actually hinder you and slow you down and things like that which is the point of lies and all that maybe we'll get into that too but like it's such a spectrum like uh, utilize yeah, totally. your thoughts that's happened today for me yeah like i i don't maybe not today I'm pretty holy <laughs> yeah. this morning. but yeah. it's like how many I've been times for four hours today i don't think yeah. the demon got in there but it's like there's a spectrum right of mm-hmm. like oh man negative thought i didn't take that thought captive yeah let that go it's yeah. like when does that become you know I don't want to see that person because I, I know that I'm going to have to have a confrontation yep. and, and make up with them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk this way. Yep. And obviously I'm taking to extremes, but it's like, it's a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, okay. There's an, there's another question that, uh, Neil Anderson kind of brings up that I think is really good or a quote that we, I think we should discuss based on that idea. Cause if we've, if we've land there where we go, yes, Christians can be very heavily affected by, um, evil spirits and stuff like that, that can be very evident in our lives on this crazy big spectrum of what that really looks like. Um, out of that and out of that idea, Neil Anderson says, uh, it is not the few raving demoniacs who are causing the church to be ineffective, but Satan's subtle deception and intrusion into the lives of, quote-unquote, normal believers. Right. 100%. So what do we, like, so let's just hold on that for a sec, because right. it's like, how true is that? Because I think this speaks to, 
Uh, and I mean that as a, a legit question. Like, how much do we actually agree with that and see that? Because I think it's the constant struggle of like so many Christians, and we've all been there, of that place of I'm not experiencing growth. I feel kind of dead at where I'm at. I'm not sure what I'm doing. Where am I going? And Neil Anderson comes in and says, that's not just you. Uh, it's there's something deeper. There's something actually spiritual hindering you. So, like, what do you think of that whole idea? Um, can you clarify that last part that you just said? Well, like, like what, what he says is the reason that so many Christians don't experience any uh, growth in their transformation and in their walk with Jesus and their discipleship and things like that isn't because they just suck and that they're not trying. Some of it probably right. is that they're not trying, but he says so much of it is actually related to this subtle spiritual deception from the enemy right. that's causing them that. So it's like whatever, if it's lies, if it's some other deception, yes. thoughts, whatever, it's a agree. spiritual thing. Here, Because here's what happens in the church. What's more destructive to a church? Uh, Sunday morning, person coming in, he's acting all tweaky. You go up to him, hey, dude, how's it going? I'm Zach. Nice to meet you. Welcome to church. How's it going? And he manifests and be like, oh, no, you. I'm so holy. <laughs> yeah. And then I Happens call up, to you all the time. Yeah. I call up a couple of pastors. Boom. We bind them. We boom. <laughs> we ask about some sin. Confess that. Eventually, confess the name of Jesus. Cast out those demons. You have no power here. Into the abyss. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Boom. This guy, he's like, hey, did you remember all that? No, I didn't. Well, let me walk you through the gospel. This is the thing. Confess those things. You want to accept Jesus in your life? Yeah. Boom. It's praise be God. Yeah. What's more, that or it, it, because we all are in like a church um, context, it, entering a meeting, that person was stupid. Why did they say that thing? That made me feel bad. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's no big deal, but that's dumb. Next time you see that person, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Good. Awesome. Okay, great. And this keep going on your life. A million examples of that, mm -hmm. which happen multiple times for all of us every day. Yeah. Or guy walking in church who's possessed. Right. What's more detrimental to the church? Yeah. And hands down. Yeah. The thing that happens every single day. Yeah, and yeah. what is that? That's a lie from the enemy. So yeah. they you're not good enough, whatever. It's a lie from the enemy. Yeah. Because, and you just say, whatever, I'll just put that in the back compartment, forget about it, not forgive them. Yeah, just, yeah. it's not a big deal. I don't need to forgive I'll brush them. it off. Yeah. And just keep going on with my life. Yeah. Like, totally. That's the spiritual um, status of the Western church. Yeah. Right there. It's yeah. It's a million lies every single day. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's always, and I think Freedom Sessions is big on this too. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys know it, um, is is the idea of like, it's always about the narrative you tell yourself based on something that happened. And so it's like you had an experience, but the thing that bound you to it is your interpretation of it. Yeah, exactly. Of like, you, it's like someone did something and that hurt you, right. but it's like for them, they didn't mean it that way or whatever. Like it's your right. interpretation. And I think that's where it, it comes in so subtly. Um, like a, a demonic influence into it where it's like there's these lies of like yeah that happened because you're not good enough right or that happened because everybody hates you right and it's like no that's totally not true yeah but it's enough of those and they build up and then it's like okay so now you're just debilitated 100%. because of lies
Yeah, that's what Freedom Session is like. Yeah. 80% of Freedom Session is going through your inventories where basically you're reliving those experiences. And yeah, then right. Seeing the lie or what you pulled. Yeah. From your experience and then how that shaped the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Like Ken yeah. shares in, in doing them, like he like he tells so many stories, like hockey stories, and right. he's based his life on I'm not good enough or I'm never like, I mean, I'll share it cause he shares it in the videos. Like, um, he says like, uh, he had to check the oil on his car and he didn't know where it was. And he's mm -hmm. like, I'm never going to be embarrassed like that again. Uh -oh. And, and so he learns how mm -hmm. to build motorcycles, you know, he, and that's just over however many years. I don't know how old Ken is a hundred. Something um, like that. <laughs> um, okay, so this this at work, this thing comes up. Well, I gotta know how to do it. Yeah. How do you think that manifests over and like how easy it is for Satan or demon just to be like, Oh yeah, you're not good enough. Like mm. guess you're not saved. Like yeah. that's the easiest thing in the world mm -hmm. to just Hey, where's the oil? I don't know. Man, that was embarrassing. I better not do that again. Yeah. Every single day. Okay. What's my next opportunity to reinforce that? Yeah. Reinforce that? Reinforce that? It goes back to one event that was completely insignificant. Yeah. So when I was going through my, like, when I was going through my inventories in Freedom Session, one of the things that came out was uh, when I was a lot younger, like, I don't know, like 10, 11, I had a crush on this girl and I Classic. was super, super, super small and tiny, like. I'm over six feet now, but I was like, Just I rub it in. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, sure. I was like less than five feet in grade eight. Yeah. Like I was super small. And anyway, she was bigger than I was. And so she used to make fun of me for being short, like all fun. Like we were friends, I'm but sorry. she would just like you know, tease <laughs> me about it. And I would, so that what I told myself is that's fine. You can think that's now, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. Like I'll kill you later. Like I'll, I'll be bigger Whoa. later and prove you wrong. Right. Right. not actually kill a person yeah, well, that, yeah that, that escalated quickly that escalated <laughs> so that mentality though yeah has been with me for the rest of my life mm -hmm. where it's like oh i may suck now but it'll be better later right or this situation and i'll prove sucks you now, wrong so it'll be better later and one of my drugs of choice as a result of that is dreaming mm. so i always am like oh if i just do this and this and this then it'll be better then right. and so i never live and actually enjoy the things that are happening now right because you're always thinking about how much better it will be what's happening so it's like mm -hmm. that little thing like you're exactly what you're saying spread over like right 15 years yeah and then it's led to this whole big problem in my life all from that one little right moment and i have a mm -hmm. similar experience but like how easy is it for decisions that you've made you know job opportunities whatever it's like god's will is this and it's like i'm just gonna take that away and just should I do this or this? It's like, well, this will benefit me better later. So I'm just going to take that. It's like, yeah, maybe God's will have a something else for you. Or yeah. mm -hmm. maybe there would have been, you missed something, right? It's just so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, that's the best strategy ever. Yeah. Less yeah. work, more <laughs> results. Like yeah. Shane's not a dummy. He's like, yeah, this one. And yeah. you didn't even know I was there. Yeah. 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 Oh, I think. Does Anderson say that the like deception is 
Well, he says like one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that he doesn't exist, or is convincing yeah. Christians yeah, that he I doesn't exist. Else, I don't know if he says that on this part. I don't talks know. About that, dis- yeah. I've heard I that may have read that somewhere before. else. I think someone else says I that just quote, used it but he talks about Satan's being deceptive. And, yeah. yeah. Maybe that talk- is somewhere else. I was talking with someone uh, this week about this because I just read the book and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, anyways, he has a lot of experience like doing deliverance ministry and stuff like that. And uh, he said, when you see someone manifest, he said, the first thought I always have is this is a joke. Hmm. This person's just faking. This isn't like they're being like really dramatic. This isn't a big deal. And he's like, he's had to recognize that that right in and of itself is like a lie. Oh, yeah. Because it's like yeah, the best thing right. he can do is make it like this person's just dramatic and they want attention. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the best lie because then it just completely discounts everything else that's going on. Right. Because then you're not even going to try to do anything. Yeah. And then, it yeah. Oh, crazy. And he says it's something like he's been doing this for like you know 30 40 years and it's like it's something that always every time it happens it's like the first thought it's like oh yeah okay no this is that's a lie actually this is a legitimate thing interesting it's just an interesting like yeah yeah so if um if this is all true what we're saying and this is the issue in the church how do we as churches do a better job of actually helping people through all of that because if we're saying this is so rampant in the western church at least because that's our context how do we as churches going forward um, do better with this? Because that's what Anderson says. He's like, with this whole movement of new age and spirituality and all this stuff, it's going to become more prevalent. So then what do we do as churches to actually help people through this? I think um, what comes to mind for me is like, I think a, a lot of what Zach said, where it's like breaking down, the recognizing that the little battles you have in your life are in fact spiritual battles yeah and and normalizing that um like we we live in a society that's kind of coming out of this super super scientific age where it's like if you can't see it you can't touch it it's not real that's kind of starting to shift and you have a lot more of this you know oprah winfrey like spirituality and so there's the people the culture is becoming more open to this idea that we're spiritual beings right and so in that there's this uh, like without like i guess we need to be more open at embracing like yeah you actually are and all these little fights that you actually have in your life and these little decisions and like the mm-hmm. reasons that you're not going to talk to this person stuff that's actually a spiritual thing right and making that more normal so that people actually take it seriously because yep. i think in north america especially in more conservative church circles the spiritual world has just been like this I don't know. It's like this idea that feels uncomfortable. So you put it in a box and you just never talk about it. Right. It's like, we'll acknowledge it, but then we don't really do much with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think talking better. And that goes back to like being more apologetic to that, that time, that spiritual age, like being able to speak in is like, why do you do yoga? Cause it's good. For, it's good for my soul. Like, it's just yeah. like doing this thing. So you wouldn't, like what does that mean yeah like, where did that come from what is right. it tied to like, and and it's like and then i just think of like i just had to cut that person out of my life they weren't good for me they weren't good for my soul it's like hmm. like being better apologists for that these lines of thinking mm-hmm. of like okay let's i'm not going to just accept that yeah. let's dig into that like what is ultimately better yeah like there's tons of aspects to go on that for sure so 
being better at speaking at it and then that's being a like but also speaking to our people about spirituality yeah and understanding that and i think being we get so easy like we do that as christians of just like oh well we don't force each other to like go after and like strive for the best things for ourselves, you know right. um as in like helping our relationships we would be so influenced by our culture as like yeah yeah you just got cut them out of your life like they're they're no good for you they're toxic it's like no no where where's the where's your fault in this where's like just fighting for that better relationship yeah right because it's part of it's your fault yeah deal with that you know obviously create healthy boundaries but we need to do really good teaching that Hmm. yeah which this deals with this book um bondage breaker deals with past stuff but that's why like authentic living or parts of freedom session where okay what does it look like to create a proper boundary what does it look like to actually deal with something um again again and actually break the habit this is yeah. the spiritual side which is great yeah of saying you know this these big blocks but we're all dealing with little blocks yeah i've heard an example of like the spiritual world um when we have sin sin is garbage and demons are rats so the more garbage we have in our house it's like rat manifestation yeah right if our house is as clean as be there can still be a rat in there yeah but it's really easy to get rid of that rat yeah you know but when there's mounds and mounds of garbage it's like hmm. you gotta deal with the garbage before you can deal with the rats yeah and once they're like and when you get huge garbage you get big rats and these yeah. like giant rats and you gotta like kill yeah. them with shotguns and stuff yeah there's a yeah there's another author uh this reminded me of i remember listening to his like a uh, interview it was probably on carrie newhoff or something like that right um he writes a book called i think it's called killing the spider yeah I've heard you've heard of that, that one yeah, too so basically his good. whole analogy is yeah. like what we tend to do in our lives is we clear out all the cobwebs yeah. but we never kill the spider so the cobwebs return right and so he's like killing the spider is getting is exactly what you're saying but I, it's just another analogy for totally. it of like get at the thing that's resulting in all the stuff in all the cobwebs in your right. in your house or in your life and then they stop coming back so but you have to dig far enough to find it like i agree with what you guys are saying but how do you handle because there's another line of thinking that i think is very common in the christian world i would say and correct me if i'm wrong but it's often uh, i think you see it more in like reform circles where it's like god's redeemed this you know it has no power over me like i can you know, hmm. I can smoke, I can drink, I can, oh, you know, I do all those things. It's like, is that, I'm not saying I disagree or agree. I'm just like, yeah. that could be a pushback to this whole idea of like, hey, well, you've got to get rid of this garbage in your life. And then is it, could that be a form of like hanging on to some garbage so that rats are still coming at it? Totally. I think everything's a possibility. Yeah. Um, like, there's everything I mean, is, is uh, open for that, I think. Yeah, I mean, reform guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a problem in that. That's a that's a mis um realization of the theology of salvation is where that comes from. And I don't think it's definitely, you know, 
the cliche like drink smoke and do whatever you want yeah and it's like because god because i'm i'm chosen person of god yeah. right but that's a totally like calvinist would say that's that's completely wrong in way of interpreting that theological view i think that's easy for all of us it's just a lie that like yeah you can come it, you can do all that stuff but it's it's conviction it comes down to like yeah checking your heart i think yeah. though that sometimes the the best like the best lie that um the devil can tell you or it's just that it's not even a thing like it's not like i know for me in freedom session a lot of the stuff like i had to really think and, and it was like okay what's a time in my life where i've hurt someone or where someone's hurt me and it was like I had almost buried them so deep that it wasn't even like it wasn't top of mind. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I just feel like we're not, I think we can kid ourselves into thinking we're like, we ourselves are not strong and are not strong against the only thing that makes us strong against these forces is the power of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. But then we can be so hesitant to give up areas of our life to Jesus. So then we are really weak and vulnerable in those areas of our life. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's like, we need to just be aware of that. Mm-hmm. You need to realize that like you, what you watch, what you listen to, what you surround yourself with that actually you, it can numb you into a point of not even recognizing that it's a problem anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's like you, it's like you become a hoarder and you're totally comfortable with all the garbage that's in your room yeah. and you don't even re- realize that it's a problem. Totally. There's lots of people. I mean like the cliche one for one of those is like pornography where it's like, um there's steps into that and i've and i've heard even people use uh like david and bathsheba as an example of like he doesn't just all of a sudden do this thing that's really bad it's like there's steps that get him there where it's like you can see he's already taking steps towards being more relaxed more lax on the rules and like he's taking a break from things and he's you know just starting to do things and they do that with pornography it's like you get desensitized to certain levels of images because of you walk through a mall yeah and it's like you get used to that and then it just keeps going and going and going and then you get all the way to the end of it where it's like you're deep into it and you're kind of like what's the problem right because you're just used to it right and the question is where's the sin walking through a mall sin watching this tv shows a sin going on that site's a sin watching this thing's a sin watching that porn's a sin like yeah where's it start like yeah what what it is mm-hmm. and it's different for everyone yeah yeah it's true uh what about okay i want to bring this full circle back to what we were saying like at the be- a little bit of the beginning of this of like how do we do this better in the church i think kind of what we're saying is like we need to dialogue on this more right like we need to start talking about this more making it more of a thing um so that our people in our churches and us actually are aware of this and we're talking about it and we're using the right language for it and maybe even just defining language like you're saying zach where it's like people there's connotations to lots of words right. and things so it's like okay so if we're going to use those words we either need to redefine them or find a new way to talk about it but within the church now here's the th- this is where my mind goes with this because we live in okay two sides of this if you're as a church trying to reach people that aren't christian um how what's the place of talking about this stuff then because a lot of like you kind of have the two sides of it 
um, if you're going for people that are non-Christians or de-churched or whatever, it's kind of like, okay, we don't want to scare them off with all the spiritual mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Um, it's that, like, I just wonder if that's true because you also see uh, people reporting on trends and stuff in North America where it's like, yes, people are becoming less uh, quote unquote religious, but more spiritual. So then is there more of a place now to actually stock, talk about more spiritual realities on a Sunday morning or things? What do you guys think? I think one, I think we're already talking about it because as soon as you say the Holy Spirit right. or yeah. God, it's like we're, we're talking about. So the problem might be not nuance, not nuancing, but bridging the gap and actually going into it. Because if you're a Christian, you believe that there's a spiritual God. Like right. God is spiritual. Yep. You, you can't see him. So to say, I believe in God and not be able to explain that for your worldview is just misinformation. So I think we could just be a lot better at our teaching of just saying, this is God. We believe God is spirit, you know, and there's mm. also other spirits and th yeah. it's an influence on us. Right. Yeah. And then the second thing, I think Freedom Session is a great ministry. Obviously, I'm a huge fan, and I think it does a great job of uh, speaking into that language. You know, for right. our church, we've had the large majority of our church go through Freedom Session. If you have any amount of people of your church do something, they start to get a common language. Yeah. yeah. And they've started to get this common language, like yeah. um, soul ties, like... Right. Anyone who, who's been through Freedom Session uses that word now. Right. And it's like... And everyone else is like, what are you talking it's about? It's a crazy spiritual thing. Yeah. But we've normalized it. Yeah. Of just saying like, hey, and all it is is I could t talk to you and be like, hey, so so before you were married, you had sex with this person. Just so you know, talking about sex, there's a, there's it, sex is more than just physical. It's right. a spiritual intimacy. Yeah. So that you've got the spirit this emotional connection to this person mm -hmm. and you know god's in everything he wants to walk through you for that i think it'd be really good to just bring this to god and just even confess the sin and then just renounce this thing that you don't need this that's not what you want to do in your life it's like yeah. okay let's pray we just broke a soul tie right and it's like i'm able to normalize it or to contextualize it to mm -hmm. where you're at because i know it yeah and and then with someone else be like, oh, you've been freedom session. It's like, it sounds like there might be a soul tie. That's <laughs> just, it's just a word. Yeah. It's, hey, it sounds like there might be a spiritual, emotional, physical connection that God's ordained as something special. <laughs> like I could say that, or I could just say soul tie. Yeah. You know? Right. So it's just a, it's just an efficiency really of mm -hmm. <laughs> any, any program is just an efficiency of like, Hey, yeah. let's save our 10 conversations to get on the same page to boom. It's yeah. just like uh, John Thompson's, you know, uh, spiritual gifts at C4. Yeah, Church. that's where my mind goes with it, too. Right? He's just like, I can't keep explaining this thing. Like, we just need to get on the same page. So they taught yeah. a series. He wrote a book. Now yeah. everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's still value, though, in like, because I think that I, I agree with you. But then I think you can also go to an extreme where if if, you know we continue to operate like this and we use phrases like soul ties, but, and then it just becomes like part of the uh, language, but no one knows what it means anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that happens. That's yeah. like traditional church world right. all the time. No one knows what anything means. Yeah. 
but they all use the words because it gets an amen or it gets a whatever just because that's what they've grown up in yeah you know so there is i always appreciate it when uh a speaker or when i'm talking with someone they actually take the time to like and they have these two second definitions for what a soul tie is right, right? or like they have like it can be so it's so simple but i feel like if if you don't do it, people just start to just go, yeah, soul ties. Yeah, soul ties. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what's a soul tie? It's anyone that you've had sex with before. It's, oh, okay. Well, that makes it a lot easier. Right. right? Like, like it's just you. at least you always are saying the word and the definition yeah. so that people are on the same page. Like, the words don't lose their meaning. Yeah. Well, hopefully having a whole hour-long teaching on that helps. Well, and that's – yeah, and that's what I wonder too. Like, um, that's the challenging thing when you have – language coming out of a program that only some people have gone through right because it's only because like and i know this from talking to people that have been through freedom session before in other groups and where it's like something changes for all the people that have gone through freedom session and they become tied in a different way to each other and it's sort of like a subgroup sub community within the church with a different set of language or with a different set of yeah words and language and stuff like that and experiences and things my thought is like, can you bring that into a Sunday morning where you then do it like a series um, on that kind of stuff to to push that language to the church as a whole? And then you have that set of teachings that kind of defines all this stuff. So here's what it so when you comes up to a word like you're saying, Ben, all the, the pastor needs to do is give that quick definition. And people are like, oh, yeah, right. I remember because we've talked about this before. Right. And it's everyone's talked about it before. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, uh, I mean, if you're, t- you're talking specifically freedom session and Mark's preaching, I just mean in general with anything, yeah. like how do you bridge the gap between all that? They'll come with time too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you think about us, we're a very new church, so yep. it'll just come over time as we actually solidify what ministries we do. Mm-hmm. Our, our pastoral staff becomes, they have to experience those and embody those ministries and believe that these are the main focus of the church that will come out of them naturally yeah so first of all it's like we're not even up and running in all of our ministries give it 10 15 years yeah and our staff will you know this is what we do and and that will naturally come out of our sunday morning yeah for sure here's a question going off that sure so we do wait hold on let's just pause for a sec because i gotta use the washroom really really badly I can just stop this, right? Yeah. And we can restart? Yeah. Okay. It didn't do that the other day when I was recording at home some other stuff. Oh, shoot. So it was like re-recording over things. And I was like, well, that sucks. What What were you recording at home? Uh, I was just messing around with some beats, you know? No, I have a... No, I have to edit this. Yeah, you do. I bored a MIDI keyboard. And I was making some beats. What's the time Ooh. stamp? What are we at? One sixteen okay. thirty. It'll be you'll just be cutting from like the, when we started. Yeah, we got a lot. Because you'll have the GarageBand file, won't you? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, take a lot of work to do that. Okay, let's go. All right, question for you guys. Yeah. So late on us. We're yes. at Village Church. We have our Sunday morning sermons are really big. Our Sunday services are big. We have Freedom Session. Yeah. Which touches on a lot of the stuff. Do you think? it would be good for village church to have a deliverance ministry. It's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean like after reading this book, 
Yeah, probably. Like, because there's something about a deliverance ministry that you don't get in counseling. Because counselors aren't doing this kind of stuff. Like, that's not their intent. And most counselors haven't been trained in how to really do this level of, like, spiritual warfare kind of stuff. Um, Christian counselors obviously have some training in it to some extent because they're influenced by the spiritual side of things. But, yeah, I think it it probably would be good. But then there's so much, like, okay, so what does that look like and how do you do it and who trains it and how do you actually determine what gets done in that ministry so that it's effective and not crazy? You know what I mean? I've never even seen one. I know of some, but I've never, like, seen one or really what it looks like. Yeah, the biggest one in the Lower Mainland is probably at CLA. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So a guy named Bob Lundgren yep. runs that, and he's he's awesome. I've met with him a couple of times. Have you done his training? I haven't, actually. Okay. Um, a lot of people in my circle have, hmm. and um, Josh Cruz has. Ken's written a deliverance ministry. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, and yeah. John Thompson also has a deliverance ministry. Yeah. It's actually part of his thesis paper, so was part of that. Oh, really? Yeah. So that one's extensive. Yeah. What does it look like at CLA? Do you know? Um, so they do it every Friday. This is the last I've heard. It's been a while. Um, they've done, they do it every Friday. And I think they'll give like, I think it might be two hours, uh, for a session. And I think they'll do like up to a certain amount. I can't remember. They'll do multiple sessions and they meet with a person and like they just really go through this it's very similar um you're going through these these places where demonic forces could have strongholds yeah so i'm gonna go through sin i'm gonna go through like occult stuff i'm gonna go through past history um and we're just gonna go through so a lot of prayer and just working through step by step yeah that's when I read the actual steps. That's why I was curious. We'll read in the book. It's like, oh, what is this actual step? As soon as I got there, oh, this is just straight up deliverance ministry. Yeah. I kind of feel like. Um, you need deliverance? We could do it right well, now. Sure, yeah. We've got the book. Well, I went through the book already oh. by myself. Did it work? You tell me. I don't think so. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> keep going through freedom session. Yeah. I'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. I feel like. Um, <laughs> I'm the thought that comes to my mind right now, and I haven't thought about this before, so feel free to shoot it down. Probably will. Is that I think good Christian counseling would go through that, like would kind of operate in. Like I feel like there, you you may be better off modifying the existing ministries that you have to include this than to be like, ooh. I think you have a demon. You need to go to deliverance ministry and you need to meet with our guy, Joe Blow. Like, it's like if you go through those counseling steps, that's going to help a person like in either scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does it need to be a separate thing? That's, that's the only thought I have. I think, I think yes. Um, Only because I think you can only go so far in kind of, generic settings but why if that makes like, sense like you mean like counseling is a generic well like freedom setting? session like freedom session can go so far but even with freedom session they say like if you have deeper things go do counseling go do something beyond freedom session but freedom session can do a lot 
but I think then there's other things too you might still need to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's my initial thought. Yeah, I have two thoughts. One would be the extreme cases. I think we can get help a mass amount of people through Freedom Session. We have a huge counseling team. We can get a lot of people. But I think there definitely are cases where there are such strong forces that it's like it needs to be. And going off the training part, I think counseling is important. So not everyone who gets counseling needs deliverance. Yeah, right. So one, you'd have to train all of our counselors in deliverance, which is, I think, a very large thing. Mm -hmm. And then I think they're different enough that it would be like, Oh, I mean, I'm thinking how trained our counselors, somewhat trained, but they would reach a point where it's like, oh, you actually need something different. Yeah. Okay. Here's a question. Maybe talk. Do you think that, do you think that, uh, (laughs) Christians will say mature Christians should all have the ability to do deliverance, the ability or the like opportunity. Uh, knowledge or like the ability like the you know how to it's like it would be like a natural part of discipleship would be like you understand that there are demonic forces in the world and that if you encounter one this is how you would handle it it's like i talked to someone and he was his first time doing a deliverance he called his senior pastor he was like an associate pastor at the time and he calls his senior pastor he's like we've got a huge problem you know this like this person's manifesting and i have no idea what to do and he was like dude just declare the name of jesus and cast it out you got it it's no big deal talk to you later yeah and like hung up the phone and it was like and he was like oh my goodness i feel like this is a huge deal but he went and did it and it was fine um so like yeah, I don't well, know. I feel like creating a deliverance ministry could almost make it like, oh, th- only these people can do this thing. Where it's like, I wonder if we all should have a certain ability to do this. So I think yes, I think everyone to some ability does have, or to some extent has the ability to do this, hundred percent. Because I think it's part of Christian life. Like we're saying, it's just it's a natural part of it. But how do you mass train everyone with the same language ideas processes things like that so that they don't take it to the crazy extent because that's right. the issue when you just say everyone in the church go start casting out demons they're all yeah. going to do it in the way that they think they're supposed to whatever influences they've had in the past deliverance ministry means it's pointed and effective because you're doing it a little bit more controlled um, not to say that every christian couldn't be a part of it but here's the thing if you go with john thompson his the 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 thing about his deliverance ministry and a lot of them is that they depend on a single person or a couple people that have a certain spiritual gift mix and that's what makes them so effective so for john thompson it's like he has um a bunch of different ones but i think he's got like words of knowledge discernment that it's largely built on because he has an innate ability to know exactly what's going on in your life and what the deepest areas of sin are and then to determine the uh, demonic side of things and call you out on your sin so that you can actually clear up all those areas that you can't even think of. And that's what partly what makes it so effective. So it depends on how you view deliverance ministry as well. I yeah. think if it's like you need sp- certain spiritual gifts and stuff, then it's like, okay, 
maybe not for everyone to that extent. But yes, everyone should be participating in to some extent. I think every Christian could, yeah, do it a little bit. But yeah. with any gift, you need to grow and develop. And yeah. then with a larger church, we'd standardize it and yeah. structure. And then, yeah. But I even know, like, uh, a friend of mine who had this happen. Same kind of scenario you're talking about, Ben. But he's not a pastor or anything. Um, but he had this scenario come up where it was like, holy smokes, I think this, like, friend of ours is, like, possessed by a demon. And he didn't know what to do. So he, like, called a pastor friend. And his pastor friend kind of, like, instructed him through it. And so he just, like, kept working with this guy who wasn't a Christian. Um, and then one night was, like, praying for him, like, in the car or something. And it just started to get a little crazy. And the guy started kind of, like, shaking and freaking out. And then eventually, like, was, like, contorting his face and stuff. And it got all weird. And then runs out of the car and just, like, pukes his guts out all over the ground. And then comes back and is, like, I don't, I think he said, like, didn't even know what had just happened. For the last little while and stuff wow. like that but this is just like just a friend like yeah. it it wasn't like he was trained in any of this kind of stuff yeah. it was like no man we're doing this and we're praying over this guy and we're just going to speak in the authority of jesus over like through this and and it did something so then it's like yes and no right it's like yeah everyone could be a part of something like this but it's also yeah i don't know okay going back to my question sure. yes or no for village you have to answer. I'd probably lean more towards yes than no. I mean, I I honestly <laughs> don't know, but I would probably go sure. Yeah, why not? We have we have ministries for just about everything else, so if this is a legit thing, why wouldn't we do that? Zach. Um. Well, I asked because I know it's been a big conversation. It's come up yeah. multiple times. Yeah. And. And last year, me and Alina actually oh, right. presented a yeah. deliverance ministry to the executive board. So, and did they like it? No. <laughs> no, but that's think, just because Zach pitched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, knowing that that conversation's been happening, yeah, for at least two years, and we still don't have one. Yeah. So, and it's still going on. Like I know it still is, which is a good thing overall that they're still at least having the conversation. I think it's we're great. Still trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, a question <laughs> that Jerry asks is like, how many people would go through this ministry? Like what's the real number? Right. right. It's, it's not a, it devolve. It's like a counseling ministry. It's like, okay, we have how many people trained. So two people go with, through it with one person mm -hmm. and one person goes through that. That's like, Okay, well, okay, we can go through how many a week. It's not very scalable. <clears throat> you need lots of people to help lots of people. So, right, but you're also dealing with smaller numbers probably than anything else, right? right? So, so it's then like the other thing is like how many, <clears throat> like how many people need this? Twenty in a year. It's yeah. like okay, well, there's other ministries in the Lower Mainland that they could go to. Yeah, fair. So that's like more of it's just a, lo a logistics question right how much time and effort are we gonna put into this yeah makes sense and it i mean then it just depends on how important you think it or, is or you literally buy this program <laughs> yeah and it's like 
oh, your community, this is where it's like your community group leader and you're dealing with it. It's like, yeah. hey, we bought you this program. Uh, let me know if you need help with it and go through it with your person. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's why like what he comes up with is actually really helpful because he kind of normalizes it to the extent of like every Christian should be involved in this to some extent. Right. Um, but that's where even he makes it accessible by saying it's based on, um, it's like, it's not a power encounter. It's a truth encounter. Yeah. So he's like, it's not about you like smacking down a demon with a little wooden cross and some holy water and like whatever. Like it's, he's like, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with truth. Like you're speaking truth of an identity of who you are, of who you are in Christ, things like that. And you're like just using truth to actually fight against the enemy. And he's like, everyone can do that. Like everyone can lead someone through that as well. Um, you can even kind of do it yourself, like going through the steps in the book or whatever um, to at least clear out a bunch of it. But then, then for me, come question comes back to like, yeah, but what about the stuff that like is deeper that requires someone else to like really dig it in stuff like that. Right. <clears throat> cool. But okay. So, okay. Uh, but that idea involves some, this idea of authority. Um, yeah. And so this is something that he's very big on, like in the book. Um, that's really important is this idea that yes, spiritual authority has been given to everyone yes. in Christ. Yes. Um, so spiritual authority has been given to Christ and now us, because we are in him, have the same authority to, to live out, to walk out and engage in spiritual warfare. Um, and he says that is what is so crucial to this whole idea of spiritual warfare. Um, and he says, we all look at it wrong. We look at spiritual warfare wrong. Um, and he's got this great quote and I think this is the one that stuck out to me and it went and just got me thinking so much about the way even I approach spiritual warfare. Um, as he says, some are pleading, oh God, please help us. The devil is roaring at us. And God responds, I've done it. I've done all I'm going to do. I defeated and disarmed Satan at the cross. I conferred all authority on you in Christ. Now open your eyes, realize who you are and start living accordingly. And essentially what he's saying is like, we all sit there in the midst of something spiritual attack, whatever. And we go, oh God, just fix this, mm -hmm. do something. And what Anderson is trying to say is like, well, God's done everything. Yeah, He doesn't need to do more. He's actually given you authority to then live out, uh, to actually like cast out demons and right. fight spiritual battles. But then we kind of like shirk back from that and go, uh, like, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not qualified. Right. And he's like, no, every Christian is qualified to some extent to actually fight these battles. Um, but do you guys think like that's true? Like, yeah. what part does that play? And have you thought of that before? Totally. Like, because for me, that stuck out a lot because I was like, I don't ever think of that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, for I totally agree that Jesus has given authority to um, anyone who confesses his name. And we do have authority. Even the, you know, demons were cast out. Like we cast out demons, the yeah. disciples said. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's totally true. And a little bit of my like i used to be like well this is even an issue it's done like it is finished yeah like you're what are you talking about why are you even here demon yeah and i think i was probably too far there hmm. 
and being like, I literally am not going to even think about you because you're done. You're worthless. Like mm. you. But knowing that, oh, you're you still had power or influence in some yeah. areas. I'm like, well, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus already beat you. So that's part of the reality is that, you know, their demons are still around and like we've talked about we give them influence in our life in a lot of ways so Mm -hmm. we are called or we have to um go through the process of working in there and god works through us he allows Mm -hmm. us to do that and that's part of our journey and people's sin in the world that they're falling into so we have to help people and one quote that uh, neil anderson says is um focus on the person don't focus on the demon right yeah yeah so that's a a great way of saying you know yeah we've said that before the demon's not gonna kill you like i wonder if that's true that's a good like has a demon i don't think a demon has a demon ever like killed someone Christian or non-Christian? Well, either. I would say that you could say, what like I'm thinking like Judas was, like yeah. killed himself, right. and I believe there's like other suicide of, kind of thing. I yeah. guess definitely it's like suicide. That's I know. Yeah, I that's was talking true. to my dad about this, and he said there was someone. He wasn't raised a Christian at all, but there was someone in his school, his like elementary school. And she was playing with a Ouija board and then took off, ran out of her house and ran out to the middle of the highway and got hit by a car. And Yikes. Like she killed herself. Yeah. Basically. And so I, guess... I think it's like, yeah, they, they like I would say they manipulate the person to kill themselves. Well, I've just flipped 100 percent. People die <laughs> yeah. and go to hell every single day. Yeah. Yeah. If you're 80 and you don't know Jesus, then a demon, not a demon no, but Satan, like, won. A, let's just say, very broad statement, a demon has killed you. You know what I mean? Not yeah, actually, yeah. but yeah, you're not with God. So yeah, the enemy's real, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's thanks for helping me work that out. It's yeah, good. No Glad we can help you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I don't even know what I was saying before. So. Uh, that you have focusing on the person, not the right. demon. Right. So yeah, we get to work that out, just like discipleship, just like trying mm-hmm. to hurt people, yeah, and and helping them know Jesus is that, and right. that's a battle, yeah, and that's hard work, yeah, and we have to do that, engage in that, yeah. It was also striking for me, like to see the way that Anderson talks about, um, like the encounters that he's had in like counseling sessions, where it's like all of a sudden a demon starts to manifest, which is just it's a weird word. It always, it's so many connotations with using right. the word manifest, but he generally means that of like, yeah. I was talking to this woman and then I got her to start reading this like list of scripture identities over herself or whatever. And then it's like, she all like, she like seized up her face changed. And then she like rose up at me and started like cussing me out and whatever. And his response is what caught me off guard. It's like, it's so normal for him. He's just kind of like, okay, cool. Um, demon, you have no power here. Yeah. So sit back down. And he like, and the demon just, the person just sits back down and he continues the session. But the, the normalcy that comes with knowing the authority you have, where it's like that thing actually has no power 
and he calls it the fear tactic thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. he's just trying to make you fearful. And he's like, if you just realize that he can't do anything and you're not afraid, no power. Right. And you can just move on. Right. The, the wrong responses would be like, this woman is cussing me out. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. help you get out of my face, get out of my office. Yeah. And like, or this is a demon. Oh my goodness, this is scary. I'm going to start attacking the demon. Boom, boom, boom. Like mm -hmm. spending, wasting all this time. Yeah. It's like, no, like move on. I'm not scared of you. Uh, but I acknowledge that you're a thing in the name of Jesus. Demon sit down. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to working on this woman's heart and yeah. you know, helping her understand that she's loved by Jesus. Yeah. How do you compare that though with, like I've heard other philosophies of deliverance where it's like you have to sit down with the person and you got to try and get that demon to sort of come forward and then you got to learn its name in order to be able to like cast it out and like all that kind of stuff. Neil Anderson doesn't go that way. No. He's like, you don't need to know what its name is. You don't care. Just move on. Like just, just speak with authority over it and you're good to go. Right. But then what do you do with all the other people that are like, well, no, you need to know its name and you need to do like an exorcism. Totally. I know craft loves he always tries to find their name because he wants to know information so he'll mm -hmm. always like um i'm pretty sure bob lundgren never talks to it like i don't care about you yeah um and he says like he always casts out the demon like with a breath on the tongue so it's always mm -hmm. very like just it's like done yeah um and then, like, imagination prayer is also something that, yeah, uh, comes up, and that's, and and it, that comes from like the reinterpreting events too. It's like the theophostics, I think, is what it comes from. Right. Ken told me the other day, and I was like, interesting. <laughs> I don't, like who it comes from. It's okay. like a movement where right. it's like, yeah, the imaginative prayer where you go back to your childhood or whatever. Right. That's what you're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you can do it in other situations and stuff. Yeah. Um. And I know there's different, I've heard people that are mm. like, why would you ever do that? Like, <laughs> right. uh, why would you want to relive it? <laughs> or no, like even why, like to picture something and then give that ultimate authority. Mm. Like, like, oh, I see. Um, Like when he was talking, Neil Anderson talks about the woman who, um, she says i am he mm. and then he, he's like oh if you weren't trained you'd be like the holy spirit is revealing himself <laughs> and then he'd be like are you god and he's like no not he mm. and it's like um so no, when not you, that one just because you hear a voice don't give it ultimate authority mm. so that would come it's like if you see a picture in your mind yeah don't give that jesus mm. oh i've um, someone told me a story uh, um, about um, the working with lots of First Nations um, and um, sp like uh, guides or, oh, yeah. or spirit, spirit guides. guides. Yep. Um, so a lot of times they have spirit guides that like from a child and someone mm. and um, seeing this spirit guide and it was like the most beautiful thing ever. Like, just a magnificent being, and like I think a woman, and it's like, that's not Jesus. <laughs> like, 
I, yeah. I forget. He said some words that was like, just made me like, oh my goodness, like just flip my perspective. Mm. on like, it's not Jesus just because yeah. it's the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And like you think about um, in the Hindu religion, uh, Hindu religion, um, yoga, mm-hmm. it's the, the God of healings and miracles, mm-hmm. yoga. You go get the third eye of healing. Like people would line up for miles to get this. Hmm. It's like it's considered one of the like, and I I'm not professing this to be true. I'm just saying things that I've heard. So yep. take it as that. Um, it could be. Um, I think sounds like it should Seems be taken credible. into yeah. consideration. Yeah. Um, but people line up for miles to get the third eye of healing. It's like this hmm. is one of the most powerful demons who's who heals people right legitimately heals people yeah i've got healing i'm gonna uh uh like worship yoga crazy it's like uh, yeah i'll heal you i have i'm a demon i have the power to heal you worship me crazy and that's like Hmm. and it's beautiful amazing yeah you've completely missed the point and that's yeah that was that's such a scary reality though i think that's like, to that's not straight... fear it too like yeah i mean i guess you gotta acknowledge it but yeah. but that's what uh uh convergence john thompson right he talks about that in his book where he's um and he he talks about it in regards to spiritual gifts but he's saying like um the enemy can masquerade as a spirit of light or something what's the verse i don't remember something like that anyways but it's what you're saying where it's like things can seem good and wholesome and holy but they're actually the enemy like there's something demonic manifesting to look good and holy and righteous or whatever because they can do the same thing they have similar a lot of some of the similar results right and so you have to discern and so he says that with spiritual gifts that like if you had these kind of powers essentially before you became a christian then he says that they're actually demonic and you have to get rid of them, cleanse them, renew them, whatever. And then he says the role of pastors isn't to to determine whether something's real or not. It's to determine where it came from. So it's that level of discernment of like, this person had this spiritual thing happen. Well, was it real or not? No, not the question. He says, was it from God or not? Yeah. Or was it from something demonic? Let's go into that too. Because I'm just thinking we are putting this out. And I'm worried to lead anyone astray. Like, and I want to talk about discernment. Okay. It's like, how do you discern too? Because as, as this can be, like you said, a scary thought. And I know a thing that I've felt is like, how do I trust anything? Mm. Right? Yeah. So discerning is proper and the, the your response shouldn't be because it could be a very skeptical thing mm-hmm. where, well, I'm a go into God's grace skeptically because I don't know where it's God's grace and where it's something else. Yeah. And I would uh, encourage against that too, where we don't know all the answers. We can never fully know God. So it's okay. As we take a step of faith as our best of our understanding, we can go all out. Um, and but let's talk about discernment a little bit too so we can keep these principles mm-hmm. someone that has these principles just keep these principles 
but go forward to the best of your understanding and God won't lead you straight. He loves you, cares for you. Right. And he's over all things. Yep. But the idea of discernment. Yeah. So what are some like, hmm. like, how do you know what's from the Holy Spirit and what's from a yeah, non-Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think Spirit? like there's biblical principles that are yep. discerning, mm-hmm. um, testing the spirit of fruits of the spirit, right? Yeah. And I think that would be the first one. I don't know if you guys want to say something. Yeah, yeah I mean, I would say um, I think what's true with a lot of like questions like this is I think the community that you surround yourself with. So I think oftentimes we try to figure it all out on our own. Um, but I think that a great way to test it is to actually, uh, bring it to other believers and see what their thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, scripture is the ultimate authority on things. So like if you're in doubt and if you like, you can't see it in scripture or you like whatever your thought is or whatever your you know, is it true in scripture? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another great test and then um i believe that if you are truly praying and truly asking you know god to reveal to you what's going to happen um and you've taken those other steps that something it will be made clear i know for me when i've been really uh, indecisive about decisions or, or like about is this the right thing to do or is it the wrong thing to do the logical answer isn't always the right one but the one where you find absolute peace and walking in what God's calling you to do, that's where your right answer right. lies. Another reassuring thing I've heard about that is God is for you. Yeah. And, and knowing that as a principle. So when you stop and you seek God's will for your life, and if you don't know, then you can move in peace because you know that God is for you mm-hmm. and he will not. So, you know, of takes away this sovereign specific plan for your life where it's like hey this a or b god will you help me you know a or b ask people around you you know what a seems just as good as b vice versa well god is for you we'll move move faithfully and just do one yeah for sure um so yeah also like within the idea of discernment it's like like john says test the spirits like i just don't think we think of that like i mean ben you mentioned this too like we just we don't really think of it that way um and i'm starting to try to think of it that way of like what is this where is this coming from is this good is this bad and that idea of like taking every thought captive is huge um i think uh anderson talks about and i like this he said um because we all sit there and go how do i know if this thought or if this thing is from the holy spirit or from a not holy spirit um and he's like He's like, well, just live by the principle of taking every thought captive because it won't matter because even if it's if it's from you, like if it's an encouraging, life-giving thought, whatever, awesome. Like that's a good thing. That's probably from the spirit anyway. But even if it's just even if it's just you coming up with this weird thing about yourself and it's a lie or whatever, or if it's demonic, whether or not you can separate the two, I don't know. Um, least you figured it out, like by taking every thought captive, you kind of guard against that. And you're kind of weighing everything and, and testing for what's good and wholesome and holy and um, honorable and righteous. Paul's little list there. Um, so, but then, it, like, the question, like, go one step further and go, like, okay, so if people are listening to this or whatever. It's like, how do you know if you're oppressed by a demon? 
like is, is that even the right question to be asking as christians like thinking this through i think there's no risk in thinking that uh and <coughs> thinking that it might be a possibility and then going through like in bondage breaker his seven steps to freedom i don't think there's anything bad that yeah. can f- come from doing that um well, so i mean give it a go well i mean okay. in yeah i don't know where this comes from but <laughs> i've heard it taught that like deliverance was part of the like salvation process yeah you get baptized and get delivered yeah and hmm. that's just and and if you believe that satan's real then he doesn't want you to be with god yeah and he's has power some power mm-hmm. so he's gonna try to not ha- let like that not be true yeah but if you're listening to this or if you whatever like if you hear that yeah you know that god does want you to be with him mm-hmm. and he sent jesus to die and rise again so if you hear that you know that to be true and you can put your faith in that right um so i feel like everyone's oppressed <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah like every there's the opportunity for everyone in everything like right. especially if you're more open in certain areas or more vulnerable in certain areas but yeah i think like it sounds funny but i think it's actually kind of true where it's like we all need to be mindful and we all need to be careful yeah um even when it comes to like we're trying to discern good things like spiritual gifts or uh discern direction or whatever it's like we're going and pursuing god in something but we still have to be careful i think what's coming up right and what's going on there yeah yeah i think too there's like if there's something that you're struggling with that you're trying to get rid of and you just can't like it's like it's a it keeps coming up keeps coming up it's like you can never shake it i would say that's probably a good sign that there's something more there yeah um i think the thing that is probably harder to recognize is when you've kind of desensitized yourself to it to the point where you don't even know it's a problem Mm. yeah and that's where i think a lot of if we're honest with ourselves i think that's where a lot of our uh sins or problems actually lie right is in this like i don't even think this was a problem because i've lied to myself so long about it that i think it's true right Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. the trickier one. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, I think maybe one last thing just to touch on quickly. And if you guys want to add anything else, feel free. But the one last thing is like, I think just practically coming out of this, like what's one of the practical things that comes from Anderson? Um, one, like, okay, yeah, go through his seven steps or go through freedom session or whatever, like, and do the hard work of that, um, of actually going through and trying to do that uh, introspective inventory of what's going on and what you've experienced. But I think he has this whole idea of like the armor of God. Um, for me, that was not necessarily a new concept, but it's like, but it took on new life reading him talk about it. Yeah. Cause I don't know about for you guys, but like, like growing up when you hear about the armor of God, it's kind of kitty. It's kind of like this Sunday school sort of thing where it's like, yeah, put on the armor of God and then you can fight battles and yeah. it's going to be awesome. And it's kind of cute. But then he talks about it and he's like, no, this is like one of the most serious things. Yeah. Like you legitimately need to be on top of this because it's the only way you're going to actually like fight and win. Right. Um, 
did like so maybe just what was your thoughts on the whole idea of like putting on the armor of god looking at it in this way of like spite fighting spiritual battles um and then what are the practical things that come out of looking at the armor of god and how to put it on does that make sense yeah yeah i sometimes i push up against it because it gets like you can over spiritualize it right like it's like here's your yeah here's your armor here's your breastplate of righteousness mm-hmm. here's your you know shoes of sandals sandal, sandals sandals of what no is it? shoes sandals nope as they, shoes for your feet having put on the readiness shoes. given by the gospel of peace it says shoes i'm reading the esv it's authoritative. <laughs> it's the Lex standard version. Yeah, obviously. You can't spell saved without ESV. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, continue. I don't know where you're going, but. I just like. Obviously, it's great. Like, yeah. it's from the Bible. It's authoritative <laughs> and a cement, but sometimes yeah. it can be interpreted of like, you know, over spiritualization. Yeah. And like that you're actually going to go like physically fight. Right. And like stab someone with your Bible. <laughs> I thought that like what stood out when he explained it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the first three mm-hmm. are given to you when you're saved. And then the others you have to train. Are there some that are given and mm. then the others you actually have to train? Right. Um, and I thought that was neat because it's like, mm. yeah, you know, you are given the armor of God. But then the shield and like the sword, you actually have to train. Right. You ha- there's actually an effort that you have to put into it so that you yep. can become a more effective uh, soldier for Christ. Soldier for Christ. <laughs> Zach, I'm sure you love that one. <laughs> that's good. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those weird cliches. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that. Um, uh, like he doesn't talk about it in the book, but I've heard it elsewhere. Like the idea that um, I think it's in a commentary on this passage somewhere where they say like the, the imagery is of like a Roman soldier or whatever, right? Like putting on this armor and they've got to put it all on and it's heavy and it's kind of burdensome. And he said a lot of the, this one commentator said that a, a lot of the time what would happen is like the soldiers, when they kind of had a break, um, they would want to start taking it off. Because they're like, well, like, you know, we got a little bit of a break here. We can kind of chill in the camp for a bit. And so I'm going to start shedding some pieces of armor. And then all of a sudden they would, like, get attacked. And it's like, well, they weren't prepared because they relaxed and took off pieces. And um, it's like it's the same for us, right? So it's like when you talk about – because these things aren't – like, when you take them in the way Anderson talks about them, they're very real things where it's like you have to do stuff, like what you're saying, Ben. Yeah. It's not just, like, this passive thing that happens to you. It's like – no, for like the sword to be, I mean, the, the word of God to be a sword for you, mm-hmm. you have to like learn how to use it right? and learn, learn scripture, being able to wield it in the way that Jesus did. So it's actually effective and not put it down. And yep. that's where it becomes a practical thing. It's like, are you learning scripture? Are you learning truth and doing stuff with it? You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and not trying to like put some of it down and take it off. Yeah. I, I think that's an important aspect of, of the activeness of this, of like even put on. It's like, yeah, you have to actively do that. Put on, like know that it is a thing. Yeah. There are steps required. There mm-hmm. are, you know, 
there is gonna be even like the like saying armor of like what does that entail a fight yeah like it's not lazy boy central like <laughs> it's a battle yeah do you even know that yeah do you even know that there's you're a person yeah so just the acknowledgement of it of the meditation on those those concepts is so important yeah yeah um and i think like and maybe just as a final note i think we'll, we'll wrap up um is the the beginning of that passage um one of the things that i think is just a reminder even just for us coming out of this conversation the reminder that neil anderson is um so this is uh ephesians six twelve, because paul starts it and he says for we did not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's just that reminder. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just forget that all the time. Yeah. Where it's like we look at the material stuff going on and we look at people and we go, I hate that person. Right. But it's like, yeah, but what's really going on? Yeah. Is it something within me or is there something like damaging them? There's a spiritual reality right. that we're constantly warring against. But yeah a good thing to keep in mind and to be reminded of all of the time totally yeah I think that's a good note to end on yeah Great I think that's it boys thanks guys awesome. it was a lot of fun thank you for listening thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast we'll see you guys next time bye all right this has been an extend network production